Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Tonight, I would say this is the number one question we get at Allworth. How much money do you need to retire? We've got the answer. I'm Amy Wagner along with Steve Sprovac. So many people, Steve, think that there's kind of a, a one-size-all-fits-all equation, right? I just want to plug in these numbers and it's going to give me the answer. Or million dollars sounds good. Maybe if I can just get there, yeah. then that's the answer. I wish it was that easy. I, I really I, do. A million dollars isn't what it used to be. The answer is kind of like the diaper I'm wearing. It depends. I'm kidding. I'm not wearing a diaper today. But I can't believe you just went there. <laughs> well, Actually, I can. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're getting to know me, Amy. But I... but no, the, the that is one of the, the big questions is, you know, when people want to sit down and figure, okay, how much do I need in retirement? They're looking for an answer. And yeah. there used to be a commercial on that. I don't want to name the company, but a well-known uh, brokerage firm. And they would say, what is your number? And it would show people walking around with different numbers over yep. their heads. And I think that really sums it up because because everybody is unique. Everybody needs a, a different number. But you know what? There is still a concept. You can come up with your own number. You just have to think through what retirement is going to look like for you and how much you spend. I hate winters in this area. Like, I can't even get through them, right? They're and so, so much nicer in Paris, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, go ahead. I'm not talking about Paris, but I okay. am talking about somewhere warmer. And and so, you know, Jason and I, our, our, our thought is that when we retire, we will go somewhere south. And I talked to some of my friends who are like, I would never leave here. Kids and grandkids will likely be here and I'm going to stay right here. Okay, so the cost of us moving to Florida will be different than the cost of those who want to stay here. I also have a friend who wants to stay here part of the time, but travel all around the world. That's going to be a different cost. Yeah. Right? Everybody has your different picture in your head of what retirement is going to be. And there's a different price tag attached to that picture. Uh, and the question is, how do you get there? Yeah. Well, if you have, say, a million dollars saved, it is not by spending $100,000 of that savings a year, right? Well, I, I think that's Not a good answer. point because um, most people I, I've met in, in my career, they don't know what an acceptable amount of money to draw from their investments is. Yeah. And, and, you know, I've seen, you know, well, I take this much out and it adds up to 10 percent. Why? Is that a problem? Well, yeah, if you're not making 10% consistently every year, and let me know if you do, because I want to figure out how to yeah. do that. Where I are haven't you invested? Found. Exactly, yeah. Um, but, you know, if you're drawing out that much, eventually you're going to hit principal so hard that it's going to be gone. And now, now you're in a race to see what dies first, you or your money. And that's not a place you want to be. Uh, research after research, right? Study after study shows that the number one fear that people who are in retirement have about money is outliving it, right? Yeah. And, and, you know, I mean, even conversations that I've had with, with my family recently, you know, people who have worked hard and saved well, they're still a little worried about, yeah. you know, gosh, you know, markets are down and inflation is high. And am I going to have enough? And while I'm still young enough to maybe work, should I get a part-time job, right? So this is a, 
a, a very normal way of thinking in retirement. So, so how do you figure out if you've yeah. got enough? Well, I think you have to look at what it takes, right, for you to live on now. Um, and I think it's interesting, Steve, because so many people think when I get to retirement, I'm going to spend less money. Yeah, and, and that almost is never the case. And as a matter of fact, I would encourage you to enjoy yourself the first yeah. couple of years. Do that trip that you've been putting off because you didn't have time and you were working hard and didn't have the extra money. I mean, that's what li- life is about living. Yeah, money is a tool. Money is definitely a tool to help you do the things that you want to do. But I, I, I think where I start with, Amy, is first take a look at where the money's going to come from. Forget the investments for a second. A lot of people have not gone on to their Social Security website and, and actually pulled up their numbers. I think that's a good starting yes, place, don't my you? MySSA.gov, right? Exactly. MySSA.gov. Yeah. You used to, of course, get the paper statements in the mail. Now you only get them like once every five years and right before you yeah. retire. That's your starting point. Go to the source. Also, yeah, yeah, go to the source. You, find out how much you get. You also have to understand, though, that Social Security was only ever set up as a system to replace 40% of your income, 40%. So if that is your entire plan for retirement, and I think most people who listen to us, that you, you get it, right? You yeah. know that you're going to have to do more. Um, so it's figuring out, okay, on top of the Social Security, what are my other sources of income that I'm going to have? And, yeah. and how do I make sure that that money outlives me? Yeah. And maybe you've got a pension. And, you know, the ideal situation is whatever money's coming in from Social Security and pensions, by the way, guess what's taxed? All of this is potentially taxed. So you've got to figure out how much am I actually going to receive after taxes. Is that enough for me to live on with my normal monthly bills? It's rare, but I, I occasionally see that. And in that case, Fantastic. The other money you saved up in 401ks, 403bs, whatever they are, um, that's kind of your slush fund. That, that's your mad money. That's your money that you don't have to touch until you're 72 and are required to, or maybe for an, you know a, a crazy expense or medical bills or something down the road. But that's rare. So you've got to take a hard look at if I can't live off of Social Security and possibly some pension income, then what do I need to draw from investments? So if the number that you need to draw from investments is more than 4% gross, um, you may have a problem. So let's rethink this whole, you know, can I retire at this age decision before you hand in paperwork. You're listening to Simply Money tonight here on 55KRC. The number one concern, right, that most retirees have in retirement is outliving their money. And unfortunately, there is an exhaustive AARP study that actually has shown 60% of those who have saved for retirement still run out of money a full nine, nine years, years yeah. before they die. So it is a fear, but it turns out it's a well-founded fear because more than half of us get to that point and we're still kicking and the money is all gone. And and I know some friends who are dealing with parents in that situation yeah. and it's, it's horrible. Yeah, it's not uncommon. I happen to fall into this category where dad ran out of money. And, and, you know, the kids get together, the kids work through it, the kids help out. And it's not, it didn't make dad, it didn't give him a warm, fuzzy feeling that he had to to depend on his kids just to get through the, the month. You yeah. know, and, and that's without any unforeseen expenses. One of the things I've learned in life is there are always unforeseen expenses, you yeah. know, so that's why it's important. You know, we, we harp on doing a financial plan and, and some people do. I, I get that. 
Uh, you can either you, you can you can do retirement one of two ways. You can either figure, you know what, I get what I get and I'll make it work, or let's put some planning into this. Let's let's see what the cost is expected to be for the things I really want to do, and, and how much money's coming in. Working in inflation—that's a definition of a financial plan. One person, the first example, they're going to be stressed out pretty much all the time. The second person is, okay, we got this figured out. This this is my nut. This is what, what I can spend. And, and you know, I'm going to try not to go over that. And I'll reassess it next year and see how I did. And that's that's how you start relaxing in retirement, where you've got somebody looking over your shoulder, you're doing a plan, and, and you kind of see the way things are panning out, and you're still on the glide path. I think about my grandpa, Hubert Wagner, and when he retired, uh, most people were like him. They had the three-legged stool, right, that everyone talks about. Yeah. He had a pension from Cincinnati Millicron. He had Social Security, and then he and my grandma had saved. They were very frugal people. They had saved, but there were three kind of equally tall legs on that stool, for most of us, we don't have that anymore. The, the pension leg Pension's is completely gone. Yeah. gone. And if you look at Social Security, well, if Congress doesn't do anything, and I think they will, but at this point in about, what, 10, 15 years, you can expect mm-hmm. to have 80% of your promised benefits. So all of a sudden, that stool's cut off a little shorter. You have to understand so much of this falls on you. Yeah. Uh, and it doesn't have to be the scenario that you talked about where it's uncomfortable. You just have to be proactive and make sure you put yourself in a position to be fine when you retire, right? Yeah. To not be part of that statistic where you're outliving your money. Yeah. So so let's dive into it in a little bit more detail. All right. Let's instead of just talking hypothetically about going on a trip or, or how much you spend, how about, I, I'm fine, you're not great on an Excel spreadsheet, pull out the old yellow legal pad. That yep. works too. You, you know, and, and before you retire, start tracking your expenses and, and you know, maybe put a, a thin line through the ones that you think are going away once you retire. Well, I won't commute. No, but you'll still be driving a car, yeah. you know, so you still have gas expenses. Well, I won't be buying as many clothes, maybe, but you're still going to buy clothes. Yeah, maybe you know? you're not eating lunch with coworkers, but maybe you start to meet some friends out for lunch yeah, a exactly. day or two a week, right? So it's really easy. Uh, and it's so many people really underestimate like, oh, it's going to be so much cheaper yeah. when I get there. I think about my weekends, and this is how I think about it. I, I spend so much more money on weekends than I do on work days. On sure. work days, you just sort of have this routine, and 9 to 5, I know what I'm going to be doing, and then we make dinner, and then we, if it's during the school year, there's homework and kids' activities and things like that. But on the weekends, we find ourselves going to movies yeah. or going out to dinner or going to the golf course or maybe traveling a little bit. Those things are more expensive. Well, when all of your time becomes leisure time. Yeah, retirement is all weekends. Yeah. Yes. Right? So planning for yeah. that, right? And you want to plan well for that because you don't want the day that the paycheck stops coming in, the next day all of a sudden we're living on ramen noodles. Yeah. I I, I read a really interesting article by another investment advisor, and, and their rule of thumb was uh, add up your expenses that you expect to have in retirement as, as they're relating to what you're spending now and tack on 20%. Mm. And I thought that's high, but you know what? If you take a hard look at it, when every day is a weekend, 
um, you are going to go out a little that bit more for dinner. You are going to play a little more golf. I mean, what, what do you want to? What do you usually hear from retirees? If you're a golfer, yeah, I'm going to work on my golf game. I'm going to enjoy life. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. It's not. Yeah, I'm going to sit home and watch Oprah. That yeah. that's not. No. that's not a game plan. Even time with the grandkids, right? I mean, I no. think about my dad, and he's like taking the kids to play putt putt and taking them to see movies, and they're going to get ice cream and things like that. Well, that's not necessarily cheap, right? right. Planning planning for those things um, is key. Here's the simply money point. How much money do you need to retire? The answer, well, find a financial advisor that can maybe work you through the process, help you walk through it. They've hopefully helped hundreds and hundreds of others do this before you. They can help you think of things that maybe you haven't thought of, holes in your planning that you might be missing. Coming up next, we're talking 401k, Bitcoin, and savings accounts. And he is the highest, one of the highest paid reds this season. We'll explain why we're talking about it. You're listening to Simply Money here on 55KRC, the talk station. You're listening to Simply Money. I'm Amy Wagner along with Steve Sprovac. If you can't listen to Simply Money every night, subscribe to our weekly podcast. It's the best of Simply Money on the iHeart app or wherever you get your podcasts. Coming up straight ahead at 6.43, is it time to start thinking about taking out a reverse mortgage? Well, we'll talk you through the pros and cons straight ahead. There's the headline uh, and the world of sports that intersects with money uh, that tends to be come up in every July, and it has to do with Bobby Bonilla. I knew there was a reason Joe Strecker played that intro. It, it, <laughs> yeah, it's all about baseball. And there guess, you go. guess what? July 1st every year is Bobby Bonilla Day. Um, Bobby Bonilla, who, I, if you're a baseball nut like I am, he, he had some great years. I mean, oh, the, guy, yeah. the guy was incredible. Towards the end of his career, he played for the New York Mets, and, and they are still paying him. He's been out of baseball 20 years, Amy. They're still paying him over a million dollars a year every July. I wonder July. if his agent does things for people who are on the radio, because <laughs> I would hire that agent. He was supposed to have $5.9 million left on his contract back in 2000, back in 2000 and instead they said, we're just going to pay it out, just a little over a million Every year for the next 25 years. Yeah. Um, kind of a pretty good deal on his part. <laughs> they, they they wound up paying, they're paying him, and they had to know this going. I got to think you know a little bit about how money works if you own a baseball <laughs> team. They paid him $24 million, than if they, $24 million more, more yeah. than if they just paid him his option out. Right. It's crazy money. And and let's talk about why. Why would the Mets do that? Because, of, yeah. of course, they have calculators. We all have them on our phones now. Like, they were smart enough to understand the heat they're going to pay out more. So why do they find themselves in such a pickle <laughs> where it made sense to spread this out over all those years rather than just pay it all at once? Well, remember that guy, Bernie Madoff? Yeah, they, they, they had a genius making them lots more money than they were going to pay out named Bernie. And, and they figured, we're coming out so far ahead on this deal. This Madoff guy is unbelievable. And they found out around that time yeah. that, well, Bernie's investments weren't exactly coming through. So they needed a little extra cash. Hence, yeah. Bobby Bonilla's best contract ever. And while we can give him a ton of credit, uh, it's playing out right here in Cincinnati as well. Of course, everyone, Ken Griffey Jr., right? Yeah. Still on the payroll. Well, and, and no connection to Bernie Madoff on this one. But, Thank goodness. You know, that, that was one thing when, when Junior was having those phenomenal years at Seattle. I remember when, when, you know, the announcement was made and 
we we were going nuts. It's like oh we got we gosh, got Junior. Yes. Oh my goodness, we got Junior. We're going right to the series, you know. And 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 the expectations were huge. The money obviously was huge. Had but to they, be huge. They had to defer a big chunk of the the um, amount of his contract to keep under the salary cap so that they can afford you know other players. And and you know because of that, guess who's still making some money every year? And it's some actually, money. He's the sixth highest paid person on the Reds payroll right now. I know. He gets like five five million a year or something like that. Yeah. 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 Three point six million every year, two thousand nine through twenty twenty four. I don't know. Poor poor Griffey Junior has got just a couple more years of that million. A couple more years and then he's gonna oh my goodness. I I think he might be be okay. Yeah, I, I think, think he might good. be okay. Yeah. Every Sunday you can find our All Worth Advice column in the Cincinnati Inquirer. And, of course, on Cincinnati.com, every Friday we give you a sneak peek. GS lives in Fairfield. And I might be able to guess, this is probably someone who <laughs> listens to us regularly, what's your thought on investing 401k money in Bitcoin? I, okay. <laughs> w- would you even consider this? You're allowed a 60-day rollover out of your retirement account, right? You, yeah. You can, you can take it yeah. out and put it back in 60 days later. So why don't you just go to the casino with it? You get a couple hey, free drinks, to Vegas. Right? You know, don't, by the way, don't do that, okay? That is not a <laughs> Tongue in cheek, totally tongue in cheek. But that's kind of what's going on with Bitcoin. I, I mean, I know a lot of people, I talked to one yesterday who's made a lot of money in Bitcoin. We call it the Wild West. I, I, I think that's giving it more credibility than it deserves. Because if you go to your bank and somebody, and put money in your bank, somebody robs the bank, guess what? You're protected by insurance. You put money in a digital wallet, you put uh, some crypto in a digital wallet, and that digital wallet gets hacked, you have no recourse. That money's gone. So, you know, this is a very, very volatile, risky, I I would call it a gamble, that, yeah, for some people it's worked out. But in your 401k, 401k is the money that you're going to retire and live on. You don't want that going away. Amy, I'm sure you kind of agree on that. So many people right over the past couple of years have come up to me uh, about crypto. And and I don't say like absolutely do not invest it. But I say if you are going to invest in crypto, make it extra money, money that you have on the sidelines, money that if you lose it, um, you're going to be okay. And, And I don't see money that goes into your 401k falling into that category. No. This is no. money that is crucial, money that you are counting on to be there when you retire. And there's a lot of large companies, I'm thinking of Fidelity and, and not to call them out, but you know, earlier this year they announced that you could start if you had a Fidelity 401k, up to 20% of that could be in crypto. Yeah. And I'm sure there's a lot of people who who jumped on that possibility. The fact that the Fidelity is just such a, a well-known financial institution makes me concerned that maybe people think that they're kind of endorsing that yeah. idea. Yeah. It's it's too new. Uh, it's such a risky, risky asset. Uh, unregulated. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That, yes. There, there's such a fear of missing out because you hear stories about, did you hear about Joe? He put 10 grand in and it's worth 150, you know, and, and yeah. you know, you hear stuff like that. And and maybe some of it's true. I wouldn't say all of it's true. But, um, you know, this is it's a new asset. It depends totally on whether or not somebody is willing to buy it from you for its value. It's not you know, it's not like Procter & Gamble sells soap, you know, or whatever they, they happen to sell. You can actually quantify the value of Procter & Gamble because they've got products. They've got what, what is what is Bitcoin? It's it's yeah. a digital currency. It's code. It's computer code. And it's only worth something if somebody wants to buy it from you. And we've seen lately it's it's you know dropped a lot in value it, do, you, do you want anything in your 401k that can drop by two-thirds and yeah. that's kind of what bitcoin did 
Yeah, it, it has, right? Just over the yeah. past six months. Yeah. Next question quickly comes from Taylor in Pleasant Ridge. When interest rates rise, why don't savings accounts follow suit as quickly as loan rates? That's a great <laughs> question. I it, love that one. And this takes me back to the Beverly Hillbillies. Remember Mr. Drysdale? He, he would tell Oh, Je- yes, the banker. He would tell, yeah, he would tell Jed Clampett, Jed, I'll let you keep your money at my bank and I won't even charge you. Bankers... <laughs> Bankers make money by paying you less interest than they're earning. So if they can make more on car loans, uh, you're paying interest to the bank when you take out a car loan and pay you less on what you deposit with them, where the money comes from for the car loan, that's their profit margin. They are under no incentive whatsoever to pay you more unless the guy next door, the bank next door, starts raising their rates. And I haven't seen that happen yet. This is the great injustice with interest rates, right? Immediately, you're going to pay more for your credit card debt. Yeah. Immediately, if you're Immediate. going to get it, take out a mortgage, you're going to pay more. Yet, that money that's sitting on the sidelines in that bank account isn't earning more. I kind of think it's the first banks to cave, right? Yeah. Some bank will at some point cave and start to pay out a little more interest, and then everyone else will follow suit. Unfortunately, those are the last dominoes to fall. Coming up next, the different kinds of powers of attorney and why they're so critically important. You're listening to Simply Money here on 55KRC, the talk station. You're listening to Simply Money. I'm Amy Wagner along with Steve Sprovec. You know, we talk about what you need to be doing with your money at different ages and stages in life. But what about your estate planning, right? It's really easy to say, I don't have to deal with that until maybe I'm in my 60s or 70s. But that is just not true. Joining us tonight is our estate planning expert, Mark Reckman, from the law firm of Wood and Lamping. Mark, something that's incredibly important, really, no matter how old we are, is having powers of attorney in place and understanding the differences and why we need them. Well, that's right. And the powers of attorney are just uh, some of the documents that make up the estate plan, but they're particularly important for people of all ages. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, so let's get into what they are um, in the diff- like I, I remember several years ago, one of your sons, he hiked the Appalachian Trail or something like that, right? Super young, but he gave you financial power of attorney during that time. 
Well, that's right. And <laughs> I remember when, when my boys left, uh, they came through Cincinnati, and I had them sign powers of attorney. They rolled their eyes thinking that I was being dramatic. But, but <laughs> it came sure in enough, handy, right? Uh, a month. What's that? It came in handy. It did come in handy because a month into it, um, one of them had some kind of a problem with his automatic payments on his debt, and I was able to use the power of attorney to go in and fix it. Uh, there was no way to reach him. He was not, did not have a phone. He did not have coverage. So I used the power of attorney to fix the problem while he was gone. It was a simple fix, but if I didn't have that power of attorney, uh, it would have uh, ruined his credit. And there are different kinds, different types of financial powers of attorney. So, so talk about those. Well, the two main types are financial and health care. Uh, and if we talk first about the financial power of attorney, there are two types of those. There's a general financial power of attorney and a limited. The general includes a very broad range of authority for the agent to do. A limited financial power of attorney really just includes one or two items. Like, for example, perhaps you give someone power of attorney to close on the purchase of your house because you're out of town or to engage in some transaction or to renew your license plates because your wife's going to the BMV and you don't want to go. You don't want to have to both go. All right. You're listening to Simply Money here on 55 KRC. We're joined by Mark Reckman, our estate planning expert for the law firm of Wood and Lamping, talking about the differences between powers of attorney, why that you need them. Um, there are immediate or springing powers of attorney. Let's talk about that, too. There's just so many different forms of these, Mark. Well, they've got different features. That, that's right, Amy. And, and these features make them sound different. Uh, there's a, most, most of them are similar, but these features make them distinct. So an immediate power of attorney means that when I sign this power of attorney, I'm appointing an agent. In my case, I use my spouse and then my two sons. I'm appointing a primary agent, a secondary agent, and a third agent. And I'm giving this person authority to act on my behalf the moment the document is signed. And that sense, his authority or her authority is immediate. There's an alternative to that. I can have a springing feature in my power of attorney, which says the power of attorney does not, that the agent does not have authority to act on my behalf until something happens, like I get sick. Um, now, that second alternative sounds like a, a good idea, but it turns out it's not a good idea in most cases. Because when I put a springing clause in my power of attorney, I add a burden to my agent. My agent's going to have to prove that I'm sick before mm. my agent can use them. And that's a real nuisance. And Amy, being someone's agent is a big favor. Yeah. And I, I believe that you don't ask people to do favors and then make it harder for them. That's a good point. Let's talk about what you're asking of someone when you're asking them to be an agent of your power of attorney. Well, you're asking them to stand in your shoes. If you're unavailable to do something, then they are to do it on your behalf. That can be as simple as, as paying bills. It can be a, a, a bigger transaction like buying or selling your car or buying or selling your house. It, it's, uh, it can be communicating with your money manager, uh, your insurance company, your stockbroker. Um, and it's a, it's, a, it's a big job, especially if someone is sick and, and, and remains sick for an extended period of time. On the flip side of this, right, you're picking someone who you trust, someone who you who can make critical decisions for you. Unfortunately, though, sometimes that can go very wrong. And as a former right, general assignment news reporter, I've covered many stories where someone trusted someone and they took advantage of a financial situation or whatever that looks like. I'm sure you've seen that as well. 
I have, and this, of course, is the risk. Uh, you know, any good idea comes with its its yeah. uh, disadvantages, and the power of attorney can be abused. Now, what the law says is that if I am appointed to be a, an agent for someone, let's say my wife, uh, then I can only use my authority to act in her best interest. That's the law. I cannot use the power of attorney to do anything for myself or to do anything that would harm her financially. However, those things do come up from time to time. And so it's really important that you pick someone who you trust absolutely. But it isn't just trust. Uh, Amy, I tell my clients, you ought to pick someone who can who can do the job, that they are emotionally available, mm. they, are, they have the time to be available, they have the ability to make decisions, that they're decisive in, in a deliberate, careful way. Um, there are a lot of people out there who don't make decisions well. They take a long, long time. They can't make up their minds. That's not helpful in this case. It's also important to find someone who's well-organized because mm. being a power of attorney generally means that you're going to delegate you're going to hire somebody to do the taxes. You're going to hire somebody uh, to manage the money. You're going to hire a real estate agent. So you need to you need to hire someone who can manage uh, other professionals to get the job done. Mark, how often do you think that uh, people fully understand what these are, what they're needed for? I imagine there's a lot of misconceptions around this. Well, I I, I suppose that's true. Although it's not a hard concept, um, you sit down and, and tell. Uh, we review these documents with our clients and, and make it very clear to them that the person that they're appointing has authority to act on their behalf. And if they get, if they do something bad, it, it's illegal, but it's not easy to fix. Um, yeah. And they and you really want to avoid that. So, Mark, from your perspective, I know you've been doing this for a long time. You've got lots of experience. Is there an age when you say, okay, you really need to be serious about this, or is it from the time you have children? When does this need to become a consideration? I think adulthood, Amy. I think this is part of what it means to be an adult, mm -hmm. is that you're responsible for yourself, but you're also responsible for your dependents. And when do we acquire dependents? Well, in early adulthood. A dependent might be a spouse. It might be a child. Uh, it might be someone, uh, someone that, a partner in business. Um, but we create relationships in which we become dependent on other people, and other people become dependent on us. And that's where these documents uh, come in uh, to be important. What's one thing that you want everyone to keep in mind when it comes to a power of attorney? I would say that the power of attorney for health care, we've been talking a lot so far about financial, mm -hmm. but the power of attorney for health care is just as important, maybe, Amy, maybe more important, because it deals with critical health issues at a time when you are unable to speak for yourself. I've got a client right now who's in a nursing home with a feeding tube. It's not what she wanted, but she did not sign a power of attorney. She, she sat mm -hmm. down and wrote out a handwritten note, no feeding tubes, but she didn't put it, she didn't sign it in the presence of a notary in a formal oh. fashion. And we're really struggling to figure out what to do. It's, it's nobody's fault. It's just really hard to be clear about how you handle someone who has not followed the rules. And so really, Mark, I, what I'm hearing from you is that you don't want one of these without the other. You need both in place as soon as you feel like, hey, I'm an adult and I have people depending on me. That's right. All right. Great insights, as always, from our estate planning expert, Mark Reckman, from the law firm of Wood and Lamping. You've been listening to Simply Money here on 55KRC. We are the talk station.
You're listening to Simply Money. I'm Amy Wagner along with Steve Sprovac. Straight ahead, learning from retirees who are wasting their money and maybe they don't even know it. Steve, you know, there's something that's kind of been around forever. You've probably seen many, many commercials for it. Definitely it's gotten a bad rap in the past, although I think some changes have been made. We're talking about a reverse mortgage. Yeah, and unfortunately I've met with people where, you know, they're in not great financial shape and and this is something that they may have to look into. I'll tell you what, though, if you can read body language, as soon as you say those two words, reverse mortgage, People will just clam up, cross yeah. their arms, lean Stiffen back. up. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And and deservedly so. I mean, these things were invented in 1989. And what did you hear pretty much right off the bat? Oh, yeah, I lost my house. Oh, yeah, we had a reverse mortgage. I got booted out. Uh, you know, there were some really, really sleazy salesmen, high commission product back in the early days, and a lot of stories that unfortunately were, were they were true. I, I mean, that's all there is to it. Well, they, there was a big revamp that was done um, where reverse mortgages, I won't say is the first choice you should look at, but the reforms that were made in 2013 at least took away a lot of the worst aspects to them. And for somebody whose back is up against the wall in retirement financially, um, it, it may make sense to at least look into Let's I put want, it that way. I want to get into some more detail about exactly what we're yeah. talking about here, right? Yeah. You, you have to be at least 62 years old in most cases. Yep. And this is for someone who you probably have a lot of equity in your house, but that's all you have, right? Yep. Not a lot of other assets. And you need money to live on, right? You need to be able to free up money somehow. So a reverse mortgage, actually, then you get paid yeah. uh, for staying there. Now, here's the thing. You have to be able to cover taxes. You have to be able to cover the upkeep of your house. But the understanding is that when you are gone and no longer in that house, right, that money is paid back to the bank yeah. because they have your home now. Yeah, you're, you're, you're kind of selling your house. I mean, yes. that's really what in it boils advance. down to. You're selling your house while you still live there and you are the bank. They are paying you every month instead of you making a mortgage payment. I'll tell you where I usually see this, Amy, and, and this is where I think it's really worth looking into. And I'm not saying go out there and, and do a reverse mortgage by any stretch. But you know what? If you still have a little bit of mortgage left, maybe your house is worth one hundred and fifty thousand, and you owe thirty, and and you're you're paying six hundred dollars a month in retirement, and that's a big chunk of your cash flow. This may be something to look into because one of the purposes of a re- reverse mortgage is if you've got enough equity in your house, if there is if there is money in tied up in your house you can go ahead and pay off that mortgage if you meet the requirements of, of the deal. So, you know, can you imagine if you're seeing six or $700 of money you don't have going towards your mortgage to pay off your house if that just went away? And yeah. that's, where, that's where maybe as a last resort, yeah, I don't have much in a 401k left, my emergency fund is non-existent, and I still have the stupid mortgage to pay, but I can't afford to move. Maybe look into it. I, I think that's a classic candidate to, to get more information. Yeah, and just understand this. Like, if you're someone who feels very strongly, you've got all these emotional memories, right, tied up in that house, and you think that someday you want your children to have that house, right? That wipes that option completely off the table. The bank, the house now belongs to the bank. Yeah. Uh, you know, so so that is something. But there are some people, and I think you're right. They're they're kind of backed into a corner. They need the cash flow. They don't have it coming from either way. And then maybe this makes sense. Uh, and you're right. There were some major changes in 2013. 
and some reforms, such as mandatory credit checks on these borrowers, which, you know, so many were defaulting. And that's, of course, yeah. why they ended up without their houses. Yeah. Uh, and so they weren't able to cover the costs that they just had to, the normal upkeep and the taxes and things like that. So uh, not as many defaults on this, which I think maybe makes this at least worth considering for some people. But, you know, I think an interesting stat is less than 1% yeah. of eligible homeowners have taken one out. You think about how many commercials you yep. see, yep. how many times you hear the term thrown around, less than 1% of people actually take advantage of this. Yeah, and one of the reasons you see a lot of commercials, by, by the way, just, just in case you were wondering, a commercial doesn't mean it's a great deal. I, I mean, I hear this about gold all the <laughs> yes. time. Yeah, there's a lot of gold commercials. I guess I should be buying gold. No, that's somebody trying to sell you a product. Right. You know, it's, it's the same with reverse mortgages. You know, just because there's a commercial doesn't mean you should do it. But, you know, here again, you know, it may make some sense. I'm very hesitant. to. I'm very careful if you didn't notice about this because these are very high commission, high cost uh, products that are out there. And some of the old, you know, stories are true. I mean, there were people that, yeah, it's a husband and wife living in a house, but uh, only one name was on the deed and that person defaulted on the terms of the mortgage and they they had to move out of the house. I mean, at least some of those uh, issues have been cleared up with regulations, right? Uh, The way it stands now, if you can't live in your house for six months, yeah, you have forfeited your house. So, you know, that could happen with a health issue a nursing home issue you know so that's these are some of the negatives you've got to really really uh, work through and okay yeah I guess I am comfortable with this maybe I will look into it a little bit more maybe that would be the reason you don't do a reverse mortgage but these are things you have to go in with eyes wide open to understand and I think the best news out of the regulations and and the the reforms that were done uh, credit counseling is required before Mm. you can take out a reverse mortgage so you know basically it's uh, is this a last resort for you? Have you addressed all the other concerns before you do this? If so, maybe pursue it. Yes, and I would say just read the fine print, right? Oh, Make yeah. sure you fully understand what you're signing up for. Get a, get another set of eyeballs from someone who you trust, uh, you know, rather than someone telling you, hey, this is a good idea, sign here. Don't be a hurry on this one. Yep. Here's the Simply Money point. Like with any financial tool, reverse mortgages come with risks and rewards. I think the key is understanding what they are. Next, careless ways that retirees are just wasting money and how you can learn from them. You're listening to Simply Money here on 55 KRC, the talk station. You're listening to Simply Money. I'm Amy Wagner along with Steve Sprovac. When you retire, of course, the, the goal is that your money will outlive you. But if you're not careful, well, you could waste some of it without even realizing it. We have seen this far too many times in a number of ways. So tonight's kind of a warning on the ways that you could waste money or that we've certainly seen others make some bad mistakes. Yeah, and and you know, I, I won't say who, but a certain founder of a certain investment company after retirement tended to show up uh, whenever we had a free lunch in the office. And I think, <laughs> I, I, I think it was, it, well, I know it was just, you know, visit, hey, how you guys doing? But he made the point of, hey, I'm on a fixed income now. Now, yes. I, I don't think money was a real concern for buying lunch that day. No. But the point is, when you retire, yes, you've got to take a hard look at, at your expenses and and. You know, when you're making lots of money late in career, you can blow money here and there and it just doesn't impact your lifestyle. But when you're on a fixed income, I don't care how much money you've got, you don't want to waste money. You just want to make sure that 
all the financial decisions you're doing make sense and you're getting the best deal that you can. And I think one of them is how much are you spending on investment fees, right? Understanding what that what fees are. And listen, a lot of times the fees are worth it. If you're working with someone, right, who is you're hearing from them, uh, you know, regularly and they're helping you figure out, right, what's right. And it's Updating just beyond financial even, planning. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yes. Yeah. So you're working with a fiduciary. You really trust their advice. Um, you know, understanding what you're truly getting. I have a friend, though, uh, who has an advisor and I will say, like, how much are you paying in fees? Um, I don't, I don't really think anything. Um, I, I think I think he just kind of likes me, and uh, you know, we we talk about sports, and I'm like, you're joking, right? Yeah. Did you know him? No, no, someone referred me to him. Yeah, it, it's not that he just likes you and likes to hang out with you. Like you're paying, so just understand how much you're paying, and then hey, when you get close to retirement. Focusing on your health is actually a very financial decision. Oh, gym membership? Yeah, that's money well spent. And, and you know, the Silver Sneakers program is, is, is excellent. But, you know, as long as you're using it, a lot of people are spending that money. And the only thing they know about the gym is where it's located, not having gone inside it. Our own Steve so, Sprovac hits uh, the gym regularly, I, right? I, yeah, well, it, it, it's not that obvious. But, yeah, I, I try because, you know, as, as you age— just even walking in, you don't have to do a gym membership. You can just walk the neighborhood, but just doing something, getting off the couch on a regular basis for at least a half hour day, you're likely adding years to your life. I mean, literally adding years to your life. And you're, you're also you're reducing the need for medicines and, and uh, you know, the normal aches and pains that you're going to get if you're sedentary. I, I mean, these are things that you should be active for as long as you are physically able. And a gym is one way of doing it. Another way that we have seen far too many people, especially close to retirement, waste money is supporting adult children. Yeah. And I mean, I'm not, not even talking like in their 20s. I mean, I've seen it. Kids in their 40s, right, 50s, mm-hmm. uh, and they still have the handout. And it's kind of just this vicious cycle. But ultimately, when you put your kids' financial needs in front of your own, there is a time when you could very easily outlive your money. So just understanding these things, like insurance, right? What insurance do you actually need and what do you not need? Understanding these things can help you not waste your money, especially when you've got a fixed amount coming in. You've been listening to Simply Money here on 55KRC, the talk station. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.